In this episode, I have an interview with the creator and writer of the science fiction adventure Junkyard Blues, and I talk about adventures on the high seas. Welcome to the Mithras Matters podcast, season one, episode 32, Junkyard Blues and Encounters on Ship. And welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I am your host, In Wills, and welcome to January 2022. With the New Year chimes still echoing in my ears, I managed to publish this month's episode just in time. Christmas is always a busy time for everyone. I tend to get out of habits and routines as soon as work finishes for Christmas and the publishing date for this podcast slowly crept up on me, hence the frantic publishing slightly after midnight. This year, both Christmas and New Year's Day have fallen on a Saturday, so we have not been able to play on our usual days. I'm suffering slightly from withdrawal, but my mind is buzzing with new adventures for both the fantasy campaign and M-Space. Junkyard Blues is an adventure module for M-Space, and I was so grateful that Scott managed to make some time to have a chat about it over the Christmas break. You can check out the chapter labels for the podcast if you want to jump straight to the chat I had with him. The junkyard is a place of derelict ships, and that got me thinking about a recent adventure that we are currently playing in our fantasy campaign. With the characters currently on board a ship at sea, I thought I would share with you how I went about dealing with and preparing for some sea encounters. end of the last playing session before the Christmas break, we left the party on a sailing ship on their way to a new village in pursuit of a rather annoying sorcerer that Cyrus, the character played by Captain Kangaroo, managed to encourage to defect from the Blue Order, the Order of the Kraken, into the Red Order where Cyrus is. However, the Red Order the Order of the Phoenix, no copyright required, I hope, soon recognised the potential of Melanie, the name of the defecting sorcerer, and she quickly rose through the ranks and now sits above Cyrus. One thing I really enjoy about writing adventures is the journey to get to the place that the party need to arrive at. I always see this as a, an opportunity for subplots and encounters where the characters can use their skill and role playing. 
So my idea is always that I want the journey to be as much of the part of the adventure as the destination is. When preparing for the sailing part of the adventure, I use a very loose approach. I broke the traveling down into four parts. Within each of these parts, the players would or could say what their character was doing, and then there would be a sort of an encounter. I had prepared a series of possible encounters that could happen, although I kept these in no particular order. Within each encounter, I made brief notes of the important aspects of the encounter. These could be the stats or tokens of the antagonists, whether these be monsters, pirates or even nasty merchants. Possible opportunities where the characters could interact and shine and any further information that could happen after the encounter. I've learnt from the past not to be too prescriptive with the narrative and or ideas within the campaigns. My players have the habit of doing their own thing in their own way, something which I've come to really enjoy. In order to see how this encounter system worked for the sailing adventure, I want to give you an example. So I'm going to use a storm scenario that we have already completed. If you want to see the full encounter, then you can check out the recent actual play video on my YouTube channel called Tackling Insanity Part 3. Links as ever in the show notes. As the storm approached, I wanted to know where the characters would be. This was an easy starting point. Whether or not they were on deck, underneath deck or below decks, at the front of the ship, the back of the ship, generally where they were. I also made notes that all tasks would be hard due to the rough seas and howling winds. And then brawn skills should be used to keep hold of things with successful athletics or acrobatics roles needed when moving or fighting on the tossing ship. I also detailed some possible character interactions. These were saving a sailor who was going to be knocked overboard, grabbing the wheel in, t in time to turn the ship into a wave, and finally an opportunity to prevent the main mask being tackled and destroyed. Some of these are used, some of them are yet to be used in the adventure. I accompanied each of these possible happenings with appropriate roles or use of luck and ensured that the characters could interact positively to gain some sort of reward. Despite all my preparations, I never saw that Bartleby would help prepare the ship after the storm, so I quickly allowed him to be escorted to the captain's cabin to have a luxurious meal with him. There are more encounters to come. The battle with the man and pregnant woman, you have to watch the video to know in more detail what that was about, was another encounter option that I slotted in since it seemed appropriate at the moment. With the casters by themselves, I think it was certainly a great surprise when I asked for initiative to be rolled. And my favourite bit would have to be the vomit bucket part. 
Remember, if you would like to see my adventure notes and campaign background material, then you can via the RPG tiers on my Patreon website. I will also be talking more about GMing journeys and travelling on ships in my Gibbering GM series on the YouTube. Links, as ever, in the show notes. I've always been fascinated by graveyards. That might have sounded weird, but as a setting, I think they provide a multitude of opportunities. Least of all, hands bursting through the topsoil to grab ankles of the unsuspecting character. But where do starships go at the end of their days? Or where do these, those starships that mysteriously disappeared go? Well, one possible place could be a junkyard, a graveyard for starships. I was super excited to see that there was an adventure module based on the junkyard of starships. So I quickly invited Scott, the creator of the adventure Junkyard Blues, to come and have a chat with us. Over to you, Scott. Well, my name is Scott Crowder. Um, I like to write adventures for different things. <laughs> yeah. I've written a couple things for M Space now. I wrote uh, some things for the companion and now Junkyard Blues. Yeah. And Junkyard Blues, it's uh, a module, isn't it? A series of adventures. Yeah, it's kind of a sandbox campaign uh, set on a world made of twisted metal, the wreckage of thousands of lost starships. Fantastic. And what, what was the inspiration for that? Well, a couple things. Um, I was watching, I think it was Firefly. It's been quite a long time ago now, but I think it was a Firefly episode where they're hiding away in a junkyard in space yeah. from some other people. And I thought, oh, that would be a cool setting for an adventure. And then I was kind of inspired by Cowboy Bebop too. Um, well, well, just, just Cowboy... The whole atmosphere of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. I don't know Cowboy Bebop. I know Firefly, definitely, but not Cowboy Bebop. Oh, <laughs> it's a... It was an anime and just recently became a TV series. Um, oh, yeah, it's 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 a pretty good show. It's a should I it's should a I? Oh, now I do like bounty hunters. People, I don't know if you watch Star Wars, but Boba Fett and things like that. I love that. That's definitely one added to my viewing list. And I must say, Firefly, fantastic. I, I love that series so i'll definitely be going back to that and having a, a watch of it i think i've got it on dvd or, or blu-ray so so yeah so um so essentially what happens in the module just give us a, a a brief taster so people know what to expect without giving away any spoilers well they're in a starship uh the dark light or else they're escorting the dark light uh, and the ship crashes into a small asteroid-sized sphere that's composed entirely of wrecked starships. This, mm. No one's ever discovered this place before. And to get off the ship, this this star, this place, they this junkyard, they've got to um, they got to find. It's not a fuel, but they've got to find metal that's enriched with called enriched with casmerium enriched metal. Right. Um, and uh, Tasmerium is central to the story, to basically. It's the exotic matter that they use to power their warp drives. It, it, uh, it, um, 
is made of antimatter, kind of, I guess you say negative matter, negative uh, energy and stuff. And so the bonding, the, the molecular bonding of any metal that gets bombarded with it becomes more porous. It starts to dissolve. And they need to find a lot of this kind of metal to block whatever's keeping them from getting off this junkyard. But there's a mystery about the whole thing too, because you don't know why there's this energy source being drained from their ships in the first place that's preventing them from leaving the planet. And that's kind of one of the mysteries you might uncover in the adventure. Uh, wow. You don't need to though. <laughs> so so it, it's there's this need um, that drives the adventure then, this need to get this unique ore in order to get off the planet then. It sounds quite a, a mystery as well. Yeah, a little bit of mystery. Why are they being their energy being bled off the ship? Why were they drawn to this planet, this little orb like a magnet, this junkyard? And also they're in a terrible place. It's just made of twisted metal. It's not meant to be habitable by anything. Um, so there's no food, there's no water, and there's no more replacement for oxygen if they run out of air. Their life support can only support them for so long, and then they're goners. So they're in a hurry, they're under a time limit. To, but there, it turns out there are other people who have found a way to survive. Oh. And there's other beings who found a way to survive. Some beings don't care about those shortages of food and water. They absorb their energy from the sun, you know, things like that. <laughs> Fantastic. Other beings, the metal itself is food to them, you know. So they're, they're beings that survive there. But it's, but it's all it is. It's just the most basic survival. That, that's brilliant and you one of the you actually created a video for the to advertise and to draw people into this and one of the scenes on that video that i really liked was i think it says something like the the only atmosphere is what you take with you or something like that yeah yeah so That's it's basically it yeah, go for it. So one is of the it major components, and I gave out some rules for is the is the vacuum suit that the players wear. Fantastic. It's very important to this adventure. It's something that always is constantly coming into play. How much oxygen do they have to make this current journey they're on? And can they get back to their spaceship to refill their oxygen? And does anything happen to damage their spacesuits? So they lose oxygen along the way. Oh, Tracking <laughs> oxygen is a key component for the GM to do for the players. To yeah. know that they're not going to run out of air and that they can complete their, their little adventure, whatever they're doing at the moment. Um, and so there's all kinds of little obstacles in the way, micrometeorites and larger meteorites and just, you know, damage they take in the course of adventuring that, that you know, cost them oxygen. That's Fantastic. a major component of the adventure. Did I, I'll, I'll, there's so much to talk about with this, but did you make the video? Because it's the first video that I've sort of like seen. For yeah, I made that. I put it all together. And uh, me and a friend of mine, we were the voice actors for it. And uh, one of the things, my, my I'm at the end of the video and I'm running out of oxygen because I wanted to impress that that's a key part of it. But yeah. also because that was one of my favorite adventures moments when we were play testing is one of the fellows got a piece of the, of a wrecked ship fell on him and it broke his spacesuit. Air was pulled coming out. And when everybody was trying to use their bronze skill to lift this up and get him out and they kept failing. Oh. And every time they kept failing, he lost more oxygen. And the player was hilarious. He was going, oh my God, I'm going to die. Don't let me die here. And then he'd go, Serious, he kept doing that the whole time, just panicking. 
and they were just stressing out and then they would blow their rolls again and then he just got worse and worse and i was just in hysterics i was just like oh this is awesome you know uh, but in the end they managed to barely save him and he made it so memorable and i didn't come close to that in the video but i just wanted to <laughs> you know it, that it's moments like that that you could never plan for in sessions but <laughs> when they happen they're just pure gold aren't they yeah, you, yeah that was gold <laughs> and I, I i really like this idea that there's limiting factors on it that's sort of like keeping the players moving it's not it doesn't sound to be a sort of adventure that players can sit around and talk about it for 10 10 days or something there's quite limiting factors on it yeah they've got to figure out what they're going to do and they got to figure it out quick um and then there's and i've uh play tested it many times like at least a half dozen times and then i've had a couple other people who play tested it so like 30 different people at least have play tested this adventure never has it come out the same way twice fantastic it's always different every time there's always different things that are like the most important parts of their stories it always evolves differently so i was like sounds sounds absolutely wonderful is there is there combat in it is there somebody something to satisfy those um trigger happy players there's always always a little there's always something to have to satisfy the murder hobos in the party (laughs) (laughs) you 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 know what i mean those people are just sort of like twitching you know to you gotta shoot something sooner or later yeah um yeah there's a there's a, a part where they where they uh, are going to they meet a bunch of humans in a place called the Can who barely survive and they have really really draconic methods of survival, deciding who lives and who dies, who wow. gets basically ejected out the airlock type of situation. Oh, no. And it can come down to it mostly comes down to convincing everyone that you give them the best chance to survive. Yeah, but if they can't make up their minds. Then it's going to come down to who's the best murder hobo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I, the murder hobos are very happy about that when they get to be <laughs> no, not really happy because they don't want it to come down to they have to fight to survive. But, you know, it does satisfy that itch. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, and we always have to have something for that itch in, in, in sessions. I'm, I'm really interested. You mentioned the VAC suit beforehand. Does this module give some more information about operating in um, limited or no atmosphere in M-Space? Um, as far as like the, I don't really deal with the gravity, just like letting you assume it's whatever gravity the GM wants it to be, but I just assume it's like the same gravity because there is a, some sort of a pull to this thing. Yeah. I never discussed what the gravity of the planet is, or, or junkyard, uh, but it probably could have just stated that it was just Earth-like gravity. Um, yeah. It's kind of a subsumed because I don't really mention it. <laughs> I guess it's the default yeah. setting. <laughs> And I, and I was just thinking, you know, if I've got a, a vac suit on, combat's going to be very interesting, you know, because I don't want to puncture it or, you know, hit my air supply or anything like that. So Exactly, yeah. If you're out in the vac suit, it can be very scary because anything punctures it, you get hit, you're in trouble. So exactly. It's, it's way, way more dangerous than just regular combat because, you, get, you know, because you've got this added factor to take into account now. You added way to die, another way to die. Yeah. 
And I, I forget, um, I can't remember who does the Mithras combat modules, um, who created them, but I remember chatting to him about combat and this idea that it's the situation, it's the scenario around combat that makes it so unique, you know, rather than what I class D&D, 5th edition combat, when you're just all sat around the dragon hacking it away, you know, round after round. So I can really see, I, I'm picturing my the players' characters in this situation straight away, and it sounds to be absolutely fantastic. There's a lot of uniqueness to it. They, I think there's this time element and there's this mystery uh, as well. Anything else that's lurking on there that you can give us uh, without giving any spoilers, anything else that you would like to tease us about the Junkyard well, Blues? There are a couple of things that can be... Um, if you have a problem with the party turning on each other, which I don't like, mm. but yet yeah, you can have a couple of situations where it might seem like, or they actually aren't exactly working for the same goal. Okay. Uh, there's one, basically one situation uh, has to do with their spacesuit malfunctioning. And if you don't realize that that's what's going on, you won't understand what they're doing. And, yeah. so, and so, you know, that one always becomes very interesting. It's one of my favorite of the little encounters that you kind of, I call little mini encounters is because, because it always goes well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're always taking the one player aside and saying, listen, this is what's going on here. And then, then everybody else is trying to figure it out and you'll see how well this person can play this part out. And then yeah. before they figure out what's going wrong. And that that was so. Sometimes it feels like that the parties turned on each other. But then another time, there's one there's one situation that was just classic. There's a there's a being that literally uh, Clarence has asked me to write a sequel, but I don't know if I will. Where this being has escaped the junkyard, an alien, nice. and it will destroy the entire human race if it gets out of the junkyard. And Fantastic. one of the players had a passion. Me first. He only cares about me first. He's always about me. And that was yeah. his character. And the creature was basically, you help me escape the planet or I will kill you. And he wrote his passion. He wrote zero one. And he's like, yeah, I'll help you escape the planet. And we're just, <laughs> he's just going to betray the whole human race. And he's survived. Yeah, me and first. He's like, you just became that guy on the second Alien movie. You know, the one. Yes. <laughs> he just became him, you know. Fantastic. I, 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 I'm really um, jealous that you've had to play test this and had different people playing it. You know, because uh, yeah. a lot of the time with adventures, you know, I create it, I play with the um, my players, and then that's it. We move on, move away from it, and it's. I don't know if you know uh, Mr. Pickles, who plays in our uh, both campaigns. He's mm -hmm. a, a traveler buff. He really likes traveler, and he has two groups playing the same adventure, if that, you know, two separate jokes groups. So it must have been really enlightening to see how different players uh, came across in the adventure. Was, was it something you enjoyed doing? You know, Very doing much, yeah. I enjoyed the different things. In fact, I even thought, considered the possibility that you might want to play people from the can who have been trapped on this planet or this junkyard for, for many years and barely survived 
instead of the people who landed and reverse oh. the whole situation. You're the ones who want to get out of this place at any cost. And there's some people here now that you get you out of here, but you know, how are you going to get them to agree to do it? Nice. You know, that, that would be very interesting or mix it up so that some of the people are from the can, some of the people are from the ship, you know, and, yeah. and go that route with it. Cause you could do that too. Or we, we could have one of those epic gaming sessions when we have people, you know, real life players playing one side, real life playing playing the other side of that dynamic. That would be, I don't know how possible that would be, but it sounds really interesting. So so what comes in the module? If I was to um, purchase the module, what, what do I actually get in there? Uh, you mentioned some pre-gen, um, some NPCs. Tell me what's what comes as the package you get six uh pre-generated characters who are the crew of the dark light in case you don't want to roll up your own crew uh yeah. you can keep them in the adventure if you roll up your own characters and they could be the crew of the ship this gives you the flexibility of having say i got a space bard he doesn't know how to fly a spaceship i'm just a passenger and you have fighter skills yeah and then nice. it turns out nobody knows how to man the main gun there's there's a pre-generated character who can man the main gun or nobody nice. knows how to fly a starship but we have a pre-generated character who can fly the starship and of course you need an engineer who's a very good engineer because he's got to figure out how to get off this planet yeah <laughs> so, yeah. so not planet but junkyard, junkyard uh, yeah. and so uh yeah so those those are provided and then there's deck plans for several of the ships that you'll find the little derelict wrecks that'll be found on the on the nice. place and in, of course you can make plenty of your own because that's the whole idea is it's a it's a vast little graveyard of ships so if you like exploring and crawling around in different starships and trying to find alien technologies you can go run amok you could be there making up your own little adventures forever yeah and so it's a place you can come and go and if you once you've learned how to get off of it you can come and go it will after that so you can run a whole bunch of adventures there yeah so it it's would you say it's very adaptable um to anybody's m space campaign yeah i would say could you slap it in anywhere really um as long as you have warp drive as a is a uh means of propulsion it doesn't have to be the only means but it has to be a means of propulsion yeah then because the warp drive and how warp drive works is very critical to the to the whole story and how they escape the the junkyard um i go into great detail about how warp drive theoretically would work in the story and then a week after it after it came out on drive through rpg uh some scientists discovered that the they're using the casimir uh uh Although I can't think of the word, but Casimir effect basically uh, was what they're working with. And they actually created a warp bubble in real life. In real Fantastic. World. So the science behind how this warp drive works on the ship and why it will, what they need to do to fix it to get off is actual hard science. It's a hardcore, you know, if, if, if in the end it turns out the NASA can figure out some of the other obstacles and create warp drive, which they're trying to do, this would be how the warp drive might work. That That is Fanta I love it when sort of like the fantasy of the sci-fi and the real world actually start to mesh together. That's really yeah. exciting. So, well, I was trying to be very scientific. I wasn't trying to have a fan fantasy yeah. drive. I wanted to get as much of the real science as I could. And uh, so it was kind of cool to see that the real science continued on. And this is actually a theory that might work because it's exciting, you know, to think we might one day actually have a warp drive. 
Yeah, very, <laughs> very exciting. Very exciting. So obviously you've play tested this and I know it's available on um, drive through, etc. Um, have you had any feedback about it? Anything that you would like to talk about from the feedback? Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people mentioned that there's one scene in particular that sticks out. Um, there's a uh, there's a, this sleazy guy who pimps out his wife and his nine-year-old daughter. And right. that's pretty adult, hardcore stuff for a role-playing game. And a lot yeah. of people have expressed a little bit of uncomfortableness. I'm not sure how their party, their group, play group might take it. Yeah. And so, uh, and also there's one fellow who had a review who seemed to misunderstand the purpose of that scene. Got, and yeah. so I just thought I'd go over it with people because if you don't, feel comfortable about it and you want to replace it with something else, there's certain things you need to keep in mind. Good idea. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's not there to be a, uh, a moral dilemma for the party. Cause I say at least over 30 people play tested it. And I would say 70 of those people, 70% of those people, I mean, they went all murder hobo on this dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 30%, yeah. The other 30% found some authority to turn him into and then figured out how to take care of the child. Nice. And, uh, and so there was no moral dilemma there. Yeah. Uh, and so we, but there is an NPC who has their per personal agenda in this adventure, this particular adventure. And their agenda is that what they're trying to do is detailed out in depth throughout this adventure for the GM. Got and that. so you might mistake the purpose that you might get blur your lines between your purpose as the GM and this NPC's purpose. They're not the same thing. Right. Uh, good storytelling. You show the, the reader what you want them to know. You don't tell them. Yes. Don't show, don't so. tell. And what I show, you, know, you need to remember if you replace this scene with something else that you're more comfortable with, which is fine. What you're trying to show the players is not what, the NPC agenda has anything to do with this NPC's agenda. Yeah. So what you're trying to show the players is that this nine-year-old child has had their trust utterly destroyed. Their trust in the closest persons in their life has been destroyed. Got yeah. So if you feel more comfortable replacing that with something else, you need to replace it with something in which he sees this child's trust in humanity has been destroyed has been destroyed or yeah. at least their trust in the people their their own mother and father they're all the closest people in the world to them yeah that's the important thing to take with you when you replace this adventure with Got, something yeah. else if you don't feel comfortable with that yeah uh that's that's basically because once the player characters key into then they tend to do that yeah everybody just they don't realize it's important but they just accept it in their minds so now they've been shown this Later on, when you reach the climax, because I call that, that scene the inciting incident. This okay. is an incident where you've gone from Kansas, you're not in Kansas, you entered into Oz. You know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> and, very much so. And the climax is getting out of it, and you need to understand what you've been seeing throughout all these scenarios so that you can defuse the situation at the end. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, uh, but, but uh, some people think it's all, I'm just trying to be gritty or trying to give them some moral dilemmas. And it's not really that at all. It's I'm trying to show them something. And if they kick, pick up on it, which about half the players seem to pick up on it really well. Yeah. They, they pick up on what's really going on. And so when the big finale comes, they understand what they need to do. 
Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And and I and I think that I you know, it's it's always showing rather than telling, you know, and I and I think that's um, something a really good feedback to, you know, for anybody who if they do have the issue with that part of the adventure, then to replace it, it has to have that idea, you know, of that lost trust, you know, yeah, and that, yeah. that's the important bit from it. Obviously, it's on um, drive through um web page isn't it and i do notice at the moment i don't know if you know this but it's reduced in price did you know that <laughs> oh i i don't really pay attention to that too much right i, I saw it was on sale when it first came out and now it's it's something yeah well the the watermarked pdf and the soft cover standard color book um was 21 dollars and 95 cent and that now it's 14 dollars so that is going straight into my cart I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so so if you if you're listening to this go now you know don't waste time go and actually <laughs> actually um buy it just as a finishing point anything that you would like to say that could tease people in or your last selling point for this fantastic junkyard blues module oh um yeah give me a second to think here um um well just while you're thinking there are that, a lot of moral choices actually yeah. in the adventures all as a whole not not referring to the previous one i was talking about but there are a lot of situations where you feel like you're in Casablanca and yeah. there's these people who want to get that last plane out of here and you're caught with the last ticket of whatever that has a Rick Bogart hat, Jumpy yeah. Bogart hat, you know, that little passage thing he had, you know, and it's, exactly. so, so it's, uh, it's got a lot, definitely a lot of like issues you're going to have to deal with. And I noticed that a lot of times play testing it, the players put those issues off as long as they could. And they got, yeah. they got really bad at the end because they hadn't dealt with these issues. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And then, uh, and also if it's something that you feel like you might want to replay, it's got a lot of replayability because like I've said, it, it has turned out different every single time. Fantastic. And, it, and I, I love the, the atmosphere behind it. I love the, that careful balance between, you know, firing weapons but also interacting and solving situations but always with that ticking time of oxygen levels um in the background sounds absolutely fantastic and one that um will definitely be slotting into um our campaign um in the future so yeah so yeah thank you so much scott for coming back and having a chat and hopefully we can have you back on the podcast in the future <laughs> well thank you very much it's been fun it's always fun talking about this kind of stuff <laughs> I actually did purchase the module straight after the interview. So if you want to grab yourself a copy, then the links are in the, well, yeah, show notes below. I must confess at this point that I told a little fib earlier on. 
I didn't actually approach Scott. Scott emailed me and asked me whether or not we could talk about the module. And I, of course, said yes, yes, please. And remember, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, see what I did there, then why not drop me an email or message and let me know what you would like to cover. I'm always looking for reviews or interviews or just chats with people. If you are interested, then you can email me at inwills at gmail.com or send me a message on the various forums I frequent. Also, talking about junkyards and graveyards, there is a series of great books by M.D. Massey featuring the exploits of a modern-day druid in a fantasy setting. I have listened to them on audiobooks, but there are, they are available in paperback as well. I'll put the link to one of the books and the other box I recommend in the... Hopefully you know where now. And that's it. Another episode of Mithras Matters completed. Don't forget to check out all my content by following my YouTube channel and the campaign areas of World Anvil. I really appreciate your support and do check out the Tapper Talk forums and the Discord. There are some fantastic and really knowledgeable people there sharing their ideas within discussions. So until next time, have a great month of gaming and I will chat to you all again in February. Until then, I hope that all your opposed roles succeed and provide you with a well-deserved special. Thanks for listening, everyone. See ya. Bye. The content of this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license, so please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast. Thank you.